The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome into another episode of Line to Gain here on the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network. I am the big O Jerry Ostrowski coming to you from Tulsa, Oklahoma. As I like to say, she is my sister from another mister. She is Sarah, <laughs> Sarah Larson down in Miami. The two of us make up Line to Gain here every week on Wednesday nights, 9 Eastern, 8 Central, right here on the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network. Hey, if you're watching on Facebook, or on your phone, on Twitter, you want to join in, or I should say X, you want to join in and uh, make some comments, come on over to YouTube. Um, you can come on over there, get in the comments section like uh, Joab has, Richard Rush, Mark Johnson, everybody's showing up for the show this week. We're excited. Um, big win last week against the Jets, a team that's in the division, a team we lost to in week one. Much better performance, dominating performance by the Buffalo Bills, the 32 points they scored the most points scored against that Jets defense, which was ranked sixth last week in the NFL this season. We got another tough one this week. We go on the road to Philadelphia, down in the city of brotherly love, or as we used to say, the city of brotherly hate. And uh, Sarah will be there uh, this weekend to continue her game streak. But yeah, hey, five. I would be amiss if I not give the floor to my wonderful game day fit goddess. Sarah Larson. You called me out last week, so I had to do it this week. Uh, I dug, hey, I was down with the fit this week because when I saw what you were wearing, all I could think of was like 1980. Yeah, late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. Late 80s, early 90s, which is my wheelhouse. And, you know, you do have that whole Northeast thing going on. So I was having, I was having visions of being back in Philly. And uh, the with you know the B girls and the B boys on the on the street, but uh, the thing I, <laughs> I brought felt, it up, what it brought yeah. it up, though, and I'll let you go was that was the Buffalo Bills version of your alma mater's gear at the national championship game when they played Penn State in I believe it was 1988. So yeah, uh, yeah, great um, job by you. Thank you. It, you know, it was funny because 
I actually um, brought that outfit to wear in um, against the Bucks and uh, ended up last minute saying, you know, I can't pull this off. Well, see, I challenged you to wear leather pants last week. It was too cold. Yes, <laughs> but I saw cold. now, now, now. Listen. I saw the Pittsburgh. I saw the Pittsburgh. Okay, thing. you saw that. I, I about, saw her. I about tweet. I about took screenshot that and sent it to you and said, "Homegirl yeah. is not afraid, like you." Yeah. Are. No. Um. And she had the she had the heels on too. Um. Oh yes, yeah. Most definitely. I mean, I if I had a suite that I would you know, and I didn't I didn't tailgate on a bunch of rocks. Um, I might be able to pull something like that off on game day. Um, but yeah, it makes it really hard to, (laughs) to wear heels to a game like that. I I'm like, I don't know how people do it. I thought that I wore, um, you know, uh, I have Tim's that have, you know, a a thick heel, but they're, they're, they're still high. They're still like, you know, three or four inch heels, but they're thick. And I struggled, um, walking on the stones that week. So nah, I'm not all about that. I was giddy the other day. I've seen that the the whole the whole chunky bottom boot thing is coming back, man. The the Doc Martin scene starting to show back oh up God. again. I, that's not, also that's yeah, also I'm my not. wheelhouse, man. <laughs> I, I I'm I'm down with that as well. But hey, um, my partner in crime, she is a patient, and I feel that we need to get to this right away because these fine people at Victor Endel and Elmer they allow us to have this show. Uh, proud sponsors of uh, yes. various shows on the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network. Sarah is a patient. She gave her experience yeah. a couple weeks ago. But uh, here's a quick word from Fichte, Endel, and Elmer. Picture this. Crystal clear vision without the hassle of glasses or contacts. Imagine watching Josh Allen's game-changing touchdowns with absolute clarity. At Fichte, Endel, and Elmer Eye Care, we can make that a reality. Now, in a matter of seconds, with Zeiss Smile technology, you can see clearly and get back to doing the things you love as soon as the next day. Visit us online at Ficta.com and take our free self-test to see if you're eligible and schedule an evaluation. At Ficta, Endel, and Elmer Eye Care, we are focused on you. Go Bills. So, uh, Okay, go ahead. I know, I was just going to say quickly, so everybody's commenting about my, my wonderful sweater. (laughs) Um, the, the guy that made these Thor hammers, um, that I posted about, uh, a little while back. Um, and then I reposted it last night because he only has like eight left. His wife, um, knits, um, and I saw a crop top on her, um, on her website, on her Etsy site. And I said, could you do that in red, white, and blue? Um, and you know he asked his wife and and she did it and i got it the other day and i'm like oh i love it so um yeah i mean it's it's perfect i can especially i think i'm gonna wear it to the the miami game down here because i can wear just like a you know like a bikini top underneath it and some shorts it's gonna be perfect not too hot not too cold i love it but yeah um great job she did amazing and she was only it only cost me 26 dollars. well so. i mean i kind of feel amiss we we should spend the first 10 minutes of each show that we recap what you wore the week before <laughs> and do a whole game day fit segment uh, i mean i think it would be i think it would be a killer i mean yeah seriously i mean we 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 love we love the the lady <laughs> fans out there we we well, love our i, we love I our appreciate girls it tune it's in a, every week it's a little bit um 
you know, it's a little bit of pressure though, because I'll tell you what, it's getting colder, and um, I, I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna be cute in the next couple of weeks. Right. I am going to be warm. So, well, so you need to roll um, with Allison, our girl Allison. She, she, uh, or Alyssa, excuse me, not Allison, Alyssa. Um, she, she was sporting the sporty snowsuit. Uh, her and yeah. all her crew. So. <laughs> Practical yet fashionable. I mean, it was she was like one stick of chapstick yeah. away from being a '70s commercial. Um, but no, it was cool. <laughs> hey, big big win for the Bills this week. Uh, Bills win thirty-two to six. Um, you know, it's funny we come on here every week, Sarah. We like to talk about statistics, and you know what? Not a huge statistical game, um, but a really good game. You know, Josh Allen was twenty of thirty-two, two seventy-five. He did have three passing touchdowns. He did have one interception, one sack. But um, the guy that I – we talked about it last time. What do we want to see out of this Joe Brady offense? We'll get into that as we move along on the show. Um, James Cook, uh, highly involved, 17 carries, 73 yards, also three catches for 29 and a touchdown. Um, Bills, I thought, were crazy efficient. And um, the defense – you know, showed up again, took advantage of a inexperienced right side of a Jets offensive line. And then, of course, we all know the Zach Wilson issues. But um, really, really, from, from play one, from the from the fumble caused on the kickoff all the way through, great, great game, three phases of the game by the Bills this past week. Yeah, um, I think that, you know, a lot of the players said it when uh, Reggie had that hit on, on the kickoff. It kind of set the tone um, for the game. Um, and, you know, I believe that it, you know, just hyped the guys up a little bit more. Kind of the same way as the, you know, James Cook fumble the week before might have set the tone uh, right. for that game. So, uh, you know, definitely we've had some struggles on on special teams here and there. So to see him, t- I think it was two kickoffs in a row, um, just literally level <laughs> yeah. the um the the Jets player um, returning it was uh, it was beautiful to see so I hope we can see more of that. Staying with special teams, uh, Bass four for four on uh, field goal attempts. He did miss one extra point, um, but then Martin comes through with a big game punting three punts. Um, his longest was uh, thirty nine yards. He averaged thirty four, as we know, as the, as the winter gets coming on in Buffalo. Uh, punting hang time seems to be much yeah. more important than distance. But um, my biggest you know, gripe was the um, the fourth down punt fake that we were not expecting. Yes, that's the whatsoever. yes, that is the one thing on special teams that was was a very big negative. You need to be ready for that. I mean, especially against a team that's that has nothing to lose, trying nothing to find to some kind of spark, and it did. I mean, they went down, scored six, and um, yeah. it there. You know, the Bills did a good job of of changing Mo, but at that point. Um, I think they even came out the next series and, and got a three and out. Um, but no, it was definitely um, definitely uh, something that needs to be fixed. But again, uh, if you're on Facebook, if you're on X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it, hop on over to YouTube, get in the comments. Uh, Daryl's joined us as he always does. And um, Justin's with us. So we got our, we got our people here in the, uh, in the chat if you want to join. Um, be no doubt is also here. And again, if you want to jump in with a super chat, you can do that as well. They take precedent over everything else and always hit the so, like and subscribe button. So I wanted to talk to you. So obviously we're going to talk about the offense because we all want, you know, that's what everybody's been talking about, but I did want to point out that the defense 
my biggest gripe all season has been our third down efficiency. They did not convert one third down all game, um, mm-hmm. which is pretty yeah. awesome. So Bills, we Bills had six sacks, six sacks led by uh, Leonard Floyd's two and a half. And again, you talked about it the other day, and you can take PFF for what it's worth. Um, its grading system is kind of wonky. Um, they don't take into consideration number of snaps whatsoever. So that's right. my my only gripe. So you well, have they do that. Like, and if, if you have a penalty, they deduct points. I mean, it's it's kind of weird. But like my only gripe, and I posted about it the other day, if, for those of you that follow me on Twitter, you know, like to compare Dotson with Bernard, when Bernard has more than 60% or like, excuse me, like right. more than 200%, he's literally double. Right. Um, what, uh, what Dotson has put out, you know, the output that he's put out, he has like 302 snaps and Dotson has like 645 or excuse me. And Bernard has like 645. You can't, that's like comparing apples to oranges. I can't like that, that bothers me. And I'm not trying to diss Dotson. He has had the last two weeks. He has had games and they passed the eye test that not only are they equivalent on PFF, they actually, you can tell he's been having some good games, but don't right. sit there and go and compare him to, you know, to players that are out there for, you know, 200% more than he is. With Dodson with me. six, yep. It's six total tackles, one sack. Um, Bernard played well again. He had four tackles. He had a half a sack. Ed Oliver showed up all night long, three tackles, one sack. Um, you know, just just big performances across the board on defense before we get into the offense. And I wanted to touch on this because I, you know, I have a habit on Twitter of making kind of comments that I know the answers to, and they're just kind of, you could take them as serious and you could take them as not. And I made a comment. I was like, Rasul Douglas, um, cut by the Eagles, traded by the Green Bay Packers. What am I missing, Right. I, I knew the answer to this, but it was good. It was a good tweet because it spurred a lot of conversation. And um, oddly enough, I think it was like the largest liked and responded to tweet I've ever put out there. But um, just a tremendous game by him, two picks, four, uh, along with a fumble. Um, might go down if he continues to play well, because this week, again, will be a huge game for him, especially against a team that he knows a little bit about. Um, might be one of the best trade deadline pickups in quite some time. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, uh, I had a couple of friends. We went back, we had a group chat and he was not so happy about the, about the trade. And I'm like, what is there not to be happy about when it's not like we're really giving up much. We're trading, you know, uh, I think it was a, a third and a fifth or something like, and that's the, I believe it was the, our, um, comp pick. So, you know, that, uh, we got, um, we got for Tremaine Edmonds. So like, it's, we still have our, we still have our third pick and and everything else. So I'm like, where is that? Where, you know, are you having a problem with this? And the first thing I said when he got his first pick was that's why you draft a Rasul Douglas because that's what he's known for. He he's, you know, he's known for the turnover. So, um, forcing turnover. So I was, um, you know, very impressed with, with his game. I'm happy. It's already to me, that game was, was worth the trade. Um, even though it's only one game, um, it was worth it to me because in my opinion, we gave up so little. So, uh, look forward to seeing him continue to progress because 
not saying anything for, you know, on Benford, because I think Benford's still going to have a huge um, role in this defense going forward. But to, you know, hopefully have a, a healthy white next year to have white and, and Russell Douglas on this, you know, opposite each other. I think it's going to be, you know, epic. I think it's going to be really good. And, you know, I think the thing about this game was everybody wants to forget the performance of the Bills in the first game. Right. Um, we talk about how trash the Jets offense is. We talk about this. We talk about that. This was still the sixth ranked defense in the league that is really good with a lot of star players. And our offense showed up, especially up front, and blocked this group extremely well. And the running game was effective. Um, I thought Brady's uh, input and influence and simplifying things offensively and really, really doing a great job of incorporating the backs out of the backfield took a lot of things away. It frustrated guys like Sauce Gardner to where later in the game we're able to hit some plays uh, downfield. Um, great first game by him because let's face facts. You're not going to change the offense in five days, right? It's just something you're not going to do. But Brady brings another voice. Brady brings a guy that's in the room every day with the quarterback that has that has obviously confidence issues as of late and recently. And he did a wonderful job of putting Josh in a position to get his confidence back make plays with what's there, right. neutralize neutralize a big-time pass rush and defensive front seven. Um, I just thought that that what he did week one was was right on time and really, really good. Right. So I um I had a uh, a podcast that I guessed uh, – I was a guest on yesterday out of, uh, out of Philly, and their question was, you know, what did the shakeup, uh, you know, on a, um, what the offensive coordinator do – um, and you know, do you believe that there, that there's going to be a major difference with having Brady versus Dorsey? Um, you know, whether or not they're, you know, a lot of players have already said it's the same, um, you know, it's the same offense, uh, playbook. So, you know, what is it that it can really be? Um, what do you feel about that? And then I'll kind of share with you what I had stated, uh, during the, during the call yesterday. So as far as can you restate that? Because I I think the 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 fire alarm got me. It is the, going off, the, by the way. The smoke detector. Say no, that one the, more time, please. Yeah, it is the. I, I can't believe you can hear it. I thought with my head <laughs> my headsets on, you wouldn't be able to hear it. Hopefully, it doesn't get too loud. But um, but yeah, no. So he asked. Um, he's like, you know, with with Brady coming in, what do you expect there to be any difference? Um, over right. Dorsey with there being, you know, with a lot of players saying it's the same playbook. You're halfway through this um, season. You know, what's the difference? I think the difference was this, and this is something, and this is what I wanted to see out of them, and we saw it. There are certain players on this team offensively that can make plays in games. I think the one thing about Dorsey was, where he was hard-headed with, was, and, you know, Gabe Davis has proven to us week in and week out that he's really not a reliable receiver. Um, some of the other receivers can do things in situations, but they're not guys that are going to go out and win play after play after play, right? We have one receiver right now as far as in the wideout room that you can hang your hat on that is going to go out and, and get open at some point. Now, that being Diggs. Diggs had a tough week this week with, with Sauce Gardner. That's one of the biggest – you know, one of the one of the hardest guys to play against the league. The thing that he did was he identified playmakers in other spots. One of those being Kincaid, 
And I thought he even did more with Kincaid than Dorsey tried to do. And then the other one being James Cook. And then, then the other backs out of the backfield. He went with those guys and made plays with other positions and was able to get the ball moving with that also built around a strong running game. I thought this was the very first game where I think you really saw the Bills get downhill up front and there was a concerted effort to run the football against a team that is really good against the run with Quentin Williams and some of these other guys. And that running game kept them off balance. They did different things. And I thought that his identification of the guys that I need to get the ball to that are not necessarily in the wideout room was a big deal. And he did really well with that. Yeah. And you know, again, we don't, we won't really know what's going on behind the scenes, but I I do believe that it is mid season. So we didn't just throw out the playbook, you know, obviously, Um, you know, I just think that he's probably going in and taking some plays and adjusting them, um, maybe throwing in a, a wrinkle or two. I said, but, to me, um, and this is what I had said on the, the podcast yesterday, was my biggest thing when it comes to be when it comes to an OC, a good OC, you need two things. You need to be able to scheme up plays and you need to be able to know when to call them. I think that Dorsey didn't didn't have number two. I think he was great at scheming up plays in his mind and putting it down on paper, but he never knew really when to call it and what was um, you know the best time to make certain calls. And I think that that's kind of where the execution part that everyone complained about was happening. Um, and I think that we executed beautifully on, um, you know, on Sunday. So by the way, Roy says might want to remove the battery or get a new cook. LOL. Oh no, it's, uh, <laughs> it's um, the next building over. It just, that's why it's, trust me, if it was this building, I would be, <laughs> you could hear it. So I'm staying at my for the, those. I'm staying at my mom's, and she lives in a uh, a condo right now. Um, I sold my house, so um, she lives in a condo, and the building next door, you can right. still hear the fire alarm. Um, well, one of the things, one of the things that I thought he did really well is a lot of times you get plays uh, in the run game and the pass game that look very, very similar. And you know, there was a few times where I thought that he utilized. So you know, say the wide handoff. Um, running inside zone or whatever, trying to hit B gap, which is between the center or the guard and the tackle or C gap between the tackle and the tight end. And you hand that ball off and you attack that spot. But then all of a sudden you run play action and that back is taking that same path. Like he's going to get the handoff and run that spot. But then he keeps running past and goes to the flat and catches the ball in the flat, which we saw multiple times. Which was Cook's uh, touchdown. Yes. Yes, which was his touchdown. And then who's the other back that had the – Ty uh, Johnson. Yeah, Ty Johnson as well. So, you know, those are some different things as well. So it wasn't like Brady came in and just put in this new revolutionary um, offense. He just utilized, I think, his pieces really well and hid some things. One of the things earlier, and Daryl said this earlier in the, uh, in the, in the chat, and I'm going to try to find it real fast, um, and if I can't find it, I'll I just, just go put ahead it up. And, um, yes, thank you. You just put it up. And this is what this is why pre pre-snap motion helps Josh Allen. And this is why. Pre-snap motion does a couple things. The number one thing it does is it it, it uncovers the coverage that the defense is going to be in. 
Okay, so if they're trying to play some type of man scheme, if you see motion and you see that defender running with the motion, more than likely they're going to be in man, okay? And when they do that, quarterback gets a tell right off the bat. If he goes in motion and they just shift but nobody runs with him, they're adjusting zone coverage. So it shows that. It can also also go ahead and create confusion on the defense sometimes. And the third thing is a lot of times motion will give the offense – an edge. It'll get them around the corner. It'll get them an edge. It'll get them a head start. Right. And they're able to get contained, beat contained by the defense. So, you know, well, those Dan, things, I was right. going to say Dan or, um, or Vlosky, he was, that was one of his biggest complaints is that we did pre-snap motion for no reason. We literally right. were just moving someone to another right. side and it had nothing to do with the play. Right. Um, so that was his, his biggest, you know, um, complaint. Um, and we actually used, utilized some of that this game, which was great. Now, Roy just put question. Um, I noticed uh, we ran um, plays out of the shotgun. It seemed to work better this game. I will <laughs> just say I disagree because I counted, I think, four delayed hand- handoffs out of shotgun that literally went for no for like nothing. Um, so I really I really wish that they would still stop that. And now I joked about it yesterday. Think, but why do you believe it's delayed? What do you mean? It's obviously because it's not literally, it's not, he's not turning and handing it off. It's delayed. He, he holds it for a second and then hands it off. It's another, Um, it's also another form. It worked for the the Eagles on Monday, but but it's also the form of, it's another form of RPO. Well, yes, of course. But when you don't actually ever, like if, if you're never actually pulling the ball down and, and throwing it, then it's it's not an option. <laughs> I mean, you're never, you're never actually running the option. You're, you know, always handing it off whenever we seem to do it. So um, just my opinion, again, I was there live and I will admit that I have not rewatched the game this week. Um, I um, have been on a little bit of a, a, a high and I've enjoyed it. Um, and, you know, I've, I've been trying to get some other stuff done this week. Um getting prepared for my, my 12 days off next week. So I have not rewatched the game, so maybe I'm wrong, but I literally turned to somebody during the game and I was like, delayed handoff number four. And I'm like, if go ahead. Can I break another stigma? Okay. There are no difference in running between, there are no differences in blocking between whether the quarterback is under center or if the quarterback is in shotgun. They're going to run their same steps. They're going to run the same blocking scheme, same aiming points, same hand, head placement, all that stuff. There is no difference in running the ball out of shotgun or running the ball under center. It's the reason they run out of shotgun is, and I know everybody is obsessed, almost as obsessed as the no delayed handoff thing, which I get. I don't necessarily like it either. I know what they're trying to do. I don't necessarily like it. But the quarterback that everybody loves does not like to be under center. He does not. I know everybody wants him there, but he does not like to be under center. So that's why he's in shotgun. So if they're sitting in that room and they ask him, yeah, if they ask him, where do you want to be? He's going to take a shotgun snap. So anyway, continue. Yeah, I mean, he's he's admitted to it before that he feels like he could see the the field better, um, and you know he he you know likes to play from shotgun better because it also gives him a little bit more time. 
And again, you're not going to, you know, disrupt the defense and confuse the defense if every time you're under center, you run the ball. And every time you're in shotgun, you throw the ball. I'm not, I'm not stupid enough. I understand that. So, uh, you know, you gotta, you're going to have to go in there and mix it up a little bit. Um, I just think that we do it too much. Now the Eagles had a 19 yard um, run play off of a delayed handoff. Now it was super delayed. Like I could have counted. I felt like I could have counted to five. It was, before it was, it was more off. of a true draw play than a delayed handoff. Yeah. So um, agreed. It was, it was a draw play. So, In, but it was one of those things that like, you know, it, it could, it can work um, you know, to a certain extent. It just doesn't seem to work for us. But Matt asks what the main issue is. The main, you know, I don't really think the Bills have a main issue in their running game other than the center and the left guard are not Mahler-type offensive linemen. Um, Brown is a Mahler. Torrance, Torrance is a Mahler. And as, them, as the great Eminem would say, the real Deion Dawkins stood up. Hey, um, he, has, he, yeah. he has played at a high, high level. I don't know what it has been. I don't know where the, what the motivation was, but he's come out of his slump and my goodness, I mean, Dion is playing tremendous football right now in the passing game and in the running game and with an edge, which I love more than anything. Yeah. That whole exchange so- last week with, with old dude and then in the tunnel, that's that type of stuff goes a long way, not only on the field, but also in the locker room. So right. hats off to Dion. That's the way to take the lead up front and, and be the lead dog that we know that you are. Yeah. So Roy asked, doesn't play action work better from under center? I believe that Josh um, works better under center for play action. And it's been commented on for so long now that maybe that's why they've they've done, a you know, done away from it. Um, but Josh is, uh, very good at play action under center. And, um, I think he was, you know, number one or number two in the NFL statistically with a uh, play action under center. Um, but to have you know, play action work, you have to have a running game as well. So it all goes hand in hand Yeah, running ru- play action. Under we center have a work. running game this year, right? Play action under center usually is better because the, you can hide the ball more and you, you got more motion and chaos and those types of things. It's harder to see what's going on. I'm just telling you, though, your quarterback wants to be in a shotgun. But yeah, I just I that that whole argument, that one, that one probably more so than the delayed handoff. I get migraines from the under center argument. I do. I mean, we just scored 32 points. I give a rat's ass where he lines up. I I my my only concern is while we were struggling, we were running too much out of shotgun, in my opinion especially on third and one or fourth and one to me, it's like, get the first down, stop being cute with it. When you have a struggling offense, just get the first but down. So you that's can move not the ball. because you line up in shotgun or not. That's because the backs don't understand the situation at hand and they don't get downhill. Well, I mean, it, it is partially because you're a shotgun. You're instead Five. of them picking up one, you have to pick up six. But your back Jerry, is, I mean, it's math your madness. back is still. Are you talking about the quarterback? You're talking about the running back. It when if you're in shotgun, he's still he's still behind you to the or off to the side. You know the court, the running backs bit. at the same. They're at the basically the same distance behind the center. Whether but it's the, under where the handoff not. spot is different, Jerry. The handoff spot is they, they five take years. the ball and go back and mesh. They're still coming downhill. 
but it's still it's still three, four, five yard difference. Oh Lord. Okay. Well, we can agree to disagree, like usual. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, seriously, to me, it's not the back. To me, it's the it's not the handoff spot or whatever. To me, it is the situation at hand as far as the running backs understanding. Get your ass downhill. James Cook got downhill this week. James Cook was downhill the whole damn game, and it showed. Um, you just gotta hit. You gotta hit the hole, man. You gotta go. But that's all right. But so again, that's you, I, don't, I don't know. You sent me a question earlier. You said, "Would you rather have a quarterback that leads the league in most statistical categories, like Josh Allen, or a quarterback that just finds a way to win?" And you suggested Hurts. Um, I, I said that I felt like that was a little bit of a bad example because I feel like Hertz has no that was a loaded cast. question is what that was well, that was I feel like Hertz has the has the supporting cast so um and he's I I think the biggest thing um with the the Eagles and Hertz number one they lead I think they're second in the the league in time of possession so I think that that goes a long way towards their winning. Um, and then the second part to that, to the loaded, the loaded question on, on my end was, I feel like with specifically the Eagles, because I've watched them enough this year, they've had a couple of things really go their way. So you said whereas, exactly to a T exactly what Spence said to when a did you, T. But when did you talk? I mean, I wasn't part of that conversation. Spence was on, was on, on the deal tonight. What's, um, him and Joe. Hump day. And okay, I was only on day, for the first 20 Those minutes, exact so. were, I'm I sorry. mean, like two Great minds think alike. Way to I go, get, I think you guys rehearse it. I think you guys <laughs> talked before the show. I well, <laughs> you you texted me after you had already spoken to him, I guess. <laughs> I didn't speak to him. I just watched it on, uh, oh, on okay. YouTube. So, no, right. I, I, I think that you were partially Now you're correct. calling me out because I had to leave that show early. So now I, I think feel bad. I, I, think, I think you're partially correct. Okay, I do believe that the Eagles personnel wise have a much better football team than the Buffalo Bills. I do believe that. Um, but I also think they've been lucky. I think that they've, whereas oh the Bills haven't been this season, we've had our moments where a tip ball gets intercepted. Well, Monday night, for- Monday night was a prime example to me, Sarah. Monday night was a prime example in that Hurts. Was there the Eagles in general were trash on on in the first half? Then you go to second half. Hertz did not make all the throws. He never makes all the throws. If you look at his year statistics, I believe his quarterback rating is either the exact same or he might even be just a smidge under Josh. But the guy wins when he needs to make a play. He makes a play. Mahomes over the last so many years has been that guy. Now, all of a sudden, drops, things of that nature, he's not that guy. And he hasn't been that sharp either. But the point being is that I think that, am I saying that Jalen Hurts is elite? I'm not saying he's elite at all. I was the first guy because we got a whole face full of Hurts in Oklahoma because he played quarterback for Lincoln Riley at OU. Okay, which is, you know, in in the state of Oklahoma, that is like, basically sitting on the right hand of God if you play at OU or you're especially the quarterback. But the guy finds ways to win, and when it he's needed, he makes the plays. And I just think that 
he is way undervalued as far as a starting quarterback in this league. I don't think Do so. I think, I, he think I think he's been getting a lot of hype over the last two years and, and um, been, you know, raised up the and is one of the top five quarterbacks in the league well see i don't see i okay i would say that but mo, but that does not go with your narrative of of that they're lucky that he has supporting cast no, I, I feel like the reason why they're know, nine and one because we'll we'll go back to the adage of whether or not wins are a quarterback stat i feel like part of the reason why they're nine and one is the supporting cast and the the luck narrative. Um, they have been a little lucky at times, but again, you can't put all that on Hertz if you're going to also say that you know all the wins or losses are on are not on Josh. So if wins and losses are not a quarterback stat, then you can't you you can't say that's because Jalen Hurts finds a way to win. I I think wins and losses in the NFL are way on uh, on the quarter i never said that they weren't on the quarterback no but it's a it's been a discussion bruce nolan will have an hour if jalen hurts or josh allen played for the jets they would have a winning record right now what i'm stating is if you want to have an hour conversation with bruce he will um go on and on and on (laughs) about how quarterback the wins and losses are not a quarterback set well I can't. I can't tell you because I don't know who Bruce is. But Bruce um, is part of our, our network. You, oh no, I know who he is, but uh, we don't know him. Yeah, I don't know who Bruce is. Um, but and you know, I just, I just really believe in this league with twenty five plus percent of the salary cap going to that player. That player wins and losses most of the time fall on that guy's shoulders. Very few times in this league and throughout the history of the league, other than say like uh, Tampa Bay one year. Uh, Baltimore with Dilfer, did teams win championships uh, with very, very poor quarterback play? Um, I just think uh, it, it is. I mean, look at look at this football team. We've won a lot of games with Josh Allen playing out of his mind with the rest of the team playing very poorly. And those games were won because of Josh Allen. I just, uh, you know, I just think that, I, I don't know. I mean, the, and and believe me, believe me, it's the Eagles do have a very, very good team. And we'll talk about the Eagles here in a minute. We got to get to, uh, I'll tell you what, let's do this. Let's go to our uh, other sponsor Picasso's. of our show. Let's go to Picasso's Buffalo's Pizza. Um, great sponsors of uh, not only our show, but others here on the Buffalo Rummings Vidcast Network. Uh, let's hear from Picasso's. Hey, football fans, the season is here. So, you know, that means family, football and food. But for the NFL's best fan base, it can't be just any food. Bill's Mafia only eats the best during the season. And the best is Picasso's Pizza. With four great locations in Western New York, it's so easy to treat yourself to the most flavorful pizza on game day. Picasso's. We are Buffalo Pizza. Shipping local and nationwide. Order online at picassospizza.net. Uh, the Bills travel to the city of brotherly love on Sunday. It's a uh, 425 Eastern kick in Philadelphia as the Bills take on the Eagles. Um, Eagles in the middle of their gauntlet of the schedule. Um, yeah. And then people the are Bills, calling this a trap game for, for right. them. <laughs> and then the Bills, the because the Eagles play us and they go to Dallas to play the Cowboys. Yep. Bills play the Eagles. Then they have to go to Kansas City once again. No, take San on Fran. The, San Fran. And then the, then the Cowboys. 
I think no, they go they to they go to Cowboys and then they go to San Francisco. Right. Fran. I'm talking about the Bills then go to Kansas oh, City. Oh, got you. I thought you were yeah. talking about then the Bills go from Philadelphia to Kansas City. Big game this Sunday. I was started off as saying this, and I agree with what you said earlier. You didn't really say this, but you kind of said it. So if I'm putting words in your mouth, please correct me. But uh, you know, when you look at paper, um, you know, the Eagles do have a better roster across the board. Um, they are strong, one of the strongest offensive lines in the league, one of the strongest defensive lines in the league. Uh, Receiver-wise, they got plenty of receivers. Uh, DeAndre Swift was probably the biggest trade pickup in the league. He's been tremendous. Hertz makes plays when he needs to. Um, this Eagles roster, except for one area, I would say one and a half areas. The secondary because they have been the same. They've had the same issues that the that the Bills have had. Uh, they've got like four or five guys that they relied on that are out for the season or out for long periods of time. Linebacker group is okay. Um, they've actually, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but whoever was just cut by the Colts, I saw today that the Eagles are inquiring about possibly picking him up. Um, but, you know, you look really? at these two rosters. Really? Yeah, when you look at these two rosters, on paper, Philadelphia has an advantage especially at the receiver spot with Brown and uh, and Smith and the others. So it will be a big-time game for the Bills. They're going to have to do some stuff um, definitely offensively against this front that the, that the, uh, that the Eagles will line up on Sunday. Yeah, um, I think the the one, you know, I guess benefit that the that's, um, you know, going to benefit the Bills is they don't really have a tight end um, right now. So – I think that that's going to be we we don't have to yes, be as overly concerned. Yeah, very I don't think good, we're going to have to be overly concerned there. Um, so Dallas we can, Goddard you know, yeah, yeah it's got it out. So we can focus a little bit more on the run game and the um the passing game, um with the wide receivers. So um you know I'm I'm pretty okay with Russell Douglas and um and Benford and how they have been playing up against some, you know, uh, decent wide receivers. Um, granted, you know, like Garrett Wilson did not have a good game, but he also, you know, has Zach, had Zach Wilson throwing to, to him um, for a good portion of the game last week. So we've, um, we've done, you know, very well. My biggest concern, um, and I can look up, I had the injury. Oh, yeah. So, Jackson, um, Dane Jackson, uh, Taryn uh, Johnson and rap, um, you know, all did not participate. Um, and then limited was Hyde and Lewis, Cam Lewis. So we literally have five people, um, that are in our secondary that are going to be questionable for, um, for the game. Obviously it's only Wednesday. They only did a walkthrough. So Thursday and Friday will be, um, you know, more, you know, worrisome whether or not they're going to be out now. I believe it was last week. Most of it kind of was the same thing, limited, limited, full, and then they played. Um, But concussion protocols, very different. So they have to pass through the tests. So there's a chance that um, that we could be out, you know, both Johnson and Jackson. I have a feeling Rap um, will play, even though he didn't participate today. Um, I think, you know, they were saying the other day that he um, seemed fine, even though he got taken out on a, you know, on a stretcher. Um, they were saying he was, you know, fine. All the tests came back negative. So, um, hopefully he will, he'll play because we are very, you know, we're very limited, um, in, in our secondary right now, especially if all five people aren't going to be able to practice this week. When I look at this game and, and, um, 
Bills right now minus three and a half. When you when you look at this game on Sunday, some of the things that stick out to me as far as the Eagles go, and you know, full disclosure, I do watch a lot of Eagles. That's where I grew up. That's my childhood team. So my two teams are playing each other this weekend. I'm kind of in a conundrum, so to speak. But when you when you look at the when you look at the Eagles, one thing they do really well is they play well at home. Um, that crowd is is a big crowd. Um, are they the mafia? No, but they're they're close. So when you know Philadelphia fans are rough, it's a huge home field advantage for the Eagles. They play well at home. The Bills have to figure out a way to control the running game of the of the Eagles. I think that's one thing that Kansas City did in the first half anyway, was stop the run and made the Eagles pretty one-dimensional because I don't think Jalen Hurts is a quarterback like Josh Allen. Then you just sit back there and go, okay, you're going to have to throw it 45 times a game and we're going to have to win this thing on your arm. I just don't think he's a good enough passer for that to happen. So with that being said, Bills need to control a running game against, like I said, arguably one of the best offensive lines, if not the best offensive line in the NFL. The other thing you're going to have to do is what they did this past week against the Jets. They played a quality defense and got after them. They need to take that game plan, that blueprint, and take it to this week because that defensive front of the Eagles is absolutely nasty, and it's huge. Yeah. It's it's a huge front, and it's experienced along with younger guys. It will be a big-time task for the uh, Bills to play against that defensive line. With that being said, if they can get the running game going a little bit with Cook again, because the, the Chiefs did have some success with, with Pacheco, if they can go ahead and do that, possibly get the play action going, doing some different things. And the other thing that, that they need to do, and I think this is what's going to go on Josh Allen, is that the Eagles, for some reason, and I don't know why, they have a really hard time of keeping contain with the, with running quarterbacks. Uh, Mahomes had a bunch of big plays with his feet. When they played Dak and, and the Cowboys earlier this season, he made a bunch of plays with his feet. They will rush undisciplined. They'll have defensive ends and need to stay outside rush for contain. They will jump inside. Josh needs to take advantage of that and make some big plays with his feet. I think it could be a huge game running for him. Probably he has an opportunity to have it be one of the biggest running games he's had in quite a while um, against the Eagles this weekend. So those are right. some things to look at. Um, but, uh, but again, you know, it's going to come down to, can you make timely plays? Can you protect the football and play some defense and, yeah. you know, see what yeah, happens. That's um my uh my three my three keys for the game for the bills were um the turnover winning the turnover di differential uh we have to um obviously once we start losing that battle you know not only does does our psyche go down um the the rest of the the play you know the w the way we play um tends to to react to that um and controlling the uh, the clock um the one game this season that the that the eagles lost um it was the one game that they um, they lost the um, the time of possession um, as yep. well. So, uh, yeah, I definitely think that if we can, you know, control that, which obviously means we're keeping the ball out of Jalen Hurts and um, and Swift's hands, uh, I think that we we definitely have a, a good chance of um, pulling off the the win. I think that the the biggest thing on on our side is um, is making sure we can get our wide receivers um, active early because um, I feel like when we get certain people involved, um, they tend to play better throughout the rest of the game. So um, 
you know, whether or not we're going to get Gabe Davis involved, um, I could care less anymore. I, I've had this argument and I actually jokingly, I um, had this argument with, with Matt um, from Buffalo rumblings yesterday for like two hours. And it, you know, I was like, you're not taking me out of my, my good mood. Uh, <laughs> but I don't care anymore. I'm at, I'm at the point right now, you know, give clear, you know, Khalil Shakir the, uh, the ball. He is at this yep. point in time, he's catching at 90%. Um, you know, Kincaid is catching at 87%. Um, they are sure-handed. Why are you going to, you know, involve Gabe and give him eight, nine, 10 targets if he's only going to catch four? You know, like, what is the point of that when those other six targets could go to Khalil or go to right. um, Kincaid and they're going to catch, you know, four, you know, four or five of them. So why not, you know, why, why are you going to do that when um, it's just right now, the math is, is not mathing for me when, when it comes to Gabe Davis. So um, I'm not saying take the ball out of hands, his hands completely. If, you know, you can scheme him open and you can, you know, figure it out, have him be part of the progression. I just don't want him to be the number one progression, you know, anymore for right now. And here's another thing, and I didn't talk about it earlier. That secondary of the Eagles is susceptible to getting their head in the backfield. So if we're able to run a little bit, and if you want to put 17 under center, by all means, have at it. Um, this is a week to be play-action heavy because when Philadelphia gets – gets uh, when they go ahead and they get uh, frustrated on defense, they take a lot of chances, and you can make big plays on them. Matt said, I was throwing heaters. <laughs> Uh, um, yeah, it was, a. Uh, it, I, I had to tag somebody in cause I was getting, uh, I was getting frustrated. <laughs> You're throwing, I'm now like, explain that to me. I was, I'm a little bit lost on that one. When, when it comes to Gabe Davis, we were oh, just going yeah. back and forth so much. Yeah. And I was just like, you know, I had to tag somebody else in, in the, the conversation. <laughs> cause I was like, I am used to, you know, I'm used to this with, um, with, uh, Jeremiah, with Jeremy, um, Poyer. Yeah. And, you know, in the beginning of the season, I did this with you when it came to Gabe. Um, I want Gabe to succeed. When Gabe succeeds, you know, we could succeed, technically speaking. Um, but I just, I, I'm i not, I'm over it at this point in time. I spent all last year trying to defend him. I was like, you know, right. I'm, I'm just. I'm, and the I'm reason why you try to defend him is the same reason why I usually defend Jalen Hurts is the fact that he's a hell of a guy. He's a locker oh, room course. guy. He's a leader. He works his ass off. I mean, and a lot of people want... have asked, he's right. he's a captain. Of course, he's going to be. Right. I'm like, he's a captain because everyone loves him. Yeah, right. but you want him to at succeed. certain point in time, you have to look at the fact that over the last five games, the guy's not even catching. He's, I think it's right at, it's like 15 of 29 or 15 of 30. 50% of his catches have been, have, he has not caught in the last five games. Can't do that. I agree. I agree. So it's, it's some, you know, it's just, it is what it is. And, you know, I don't think that, and I don't think there's any magical play sheet or magical play calling that Brady can do to get him to get him to be productive. I mean, he's got to he's got to find I a mean, way to get over. That was my biggest argument at this point in time. You know, if Gabe is getting targeted eight times and he's only you know bringing in three or four of those of those targets, 
he was targeted. He was part of the game plan. We were utilize, we were trying to utilize him. So my biggest argument for the people are like, well, he's not being utilized correctly. Well, him being utilized correctly was the result of uh, of Joe Brady this week by having him out there blocking and doing all the other, you know, misdirections and all that other stuff. You could call him MVP. You can call him the, the player of the game, <laughs> offensive player of the game. I don't care. I am so happy he kicked ass on on Sunday by you know blocking people. If that is if that means that we're he's not dropping passes, deflecting passes off of his you know hands and and causing turnovers, I'm okay with it. I want him to succeed in any which way that makes the Buffalo Bills succeed. I just do not see us paying him wide receiver two money next year at all. Nope. All right. So what are we going to do here? I think we've, All I right. think we've pegged this game pretty good. Um, yeah. So, um, but you know, quickly before we, we start to get out of here. So I'm obviously going to the game. You've been in Philly. We have a couple people who live in Philly. Um, so, you know, obviously I'm, I'm going to do the whole Pats and, and Gino's Philly cheesesteak thing, just so I can pick on my son. We used to be very big um, man versus food people. So, uh, he's always he's always wanted to go. Um, I've heard it's it's trash. So I'm I'm a huge Philly cheesesteak um lover though. I love Philly cheesesteaks. Um, so where do you recommend other than that? Obviously, yeah. I'm gonna spend a crap load of money on well, taking a bite or two, but I will give everybody my honest okay. opinions as I what I will say is this, place. Sarah. What I'll say is this because any fan base can appreciate this analogy, it's the Buffalo Bills. When tourists come to Buffalo, where's the place they want to eat wings? Oh, either Duff's or Anchor Bar. Duff's or Anchor Bar, right? Anchor yeah. Bar was the one I was going with. It's the same thing in Philly. If it's your first time there, you want a cheesesteak, they're literally across the street from one another. Yeah. So what you do is you go, especially if you have a friend, you go to one side, you order a cheesesteak from Pat's, cut in half, each you have a half, then you walk to the other side of the street, you go to Gino's, you do the same thing. Compare contrast when anybody ever says, Did you go to him? You said you did, then you never go back again. <laughs> okay, you never go back again. Um, my favorite, I have two places that I really, really like. I have three sandwich shops in Philly that are my faves, cheesesteak wise. My my favorite's almost a tie, but I'll go with Delisandro's as my first choice. Okay? Everyone has told me Delisandro's. Yeah. I love Delisandro's. It's wonderful. The other place that's not as well known, it is in the Philly area, but or by connoisseurs, doesn't even have a cheesesteak name. It's called John's Roast Pork. Okay. If you're really down with the Philly food scene, a lot of times the roast pork sandwich is probably better than the cheesesteak. But John's makes a cheesesteak that's got a ton of meat in it, cheese. It's got a seeded roll. It's it's amazing. It's really, really good. So either Delisandro's or John's Roast Pork are my two favorites. Yeah, I think Delisandro's might be a little too far away from where I'm going to stay. I, I well, what else do you got to Well, I mean, I'm going to you know go run the stairs and be rocky and then uh, go over and see the Liberty Bell. That's pretty much right. it. But, um, you know, I can't do t- – I, I, I've – decided i'm probably going to do three places i was hoping that that gino's and pats were going to have like a kid option <laughs> because <laughs> i'm going to literally take like one or two bites of these sandwiches and then throw them away but gotta say you did it so here's the other place i'm going to tell you about that's sneaky that some people know about some don't there's a place in philadelphia called the reading terminal 
Okay. It used to be a train station. Um, now it is a market and there's probably mm-hmm. 350 plus booths in this place. You can go in there and they got the Amish bakeries. You can get the whoopie pies, the pecan, you know, the, yeah, the, I've, the I've sticky looked at rolls. The place. It's close to my, yeah, yeah it's close to my sticky hotel, rolls, so. all that. You can go through the line, but there is a sandwich shop in there. It's called the Nick's roast pork. Okay. It is absolutely wonderful. Since you guys were big man versus food people, it was on that show, I believe. It might have been okay. on Triple D, but I think it was on Man versus Food. You go in there, get you a roast pork sandwich with the provolone cheese, and get the get the sautéed um, hot peppers and the broccoli rabe to put on top of it. It is absolutely phenomenal and dynamite. One of my favorite sandwiches of all time. And what's the name so, of that place again? It's called the Nix. D I N I C S. The Nix. All right, and then Daryl actually. Um, sent a couple of places sent me a couple places earlier as well so um i the the guy that i did the podcast with on um yesterday on tuesday he sent me three or four places um but y'all were definitely in agreement with the um del sandro's i just don't think i'm going to be able to make it all the way up there it would just uber alone would um would make it a very expensive trip there and back just to to get the the cheesecake so um i'm definitely going to check out a couple of places if, if you go by, see, Tony Luke's used to be really, really good. I don't even know if Tony Luke's is still owned by Tony Luke because there is a lawsuit and back taxes and all this. But real quick story, since we're talking about cheesesteaks, before we get to the next thing, we only got like about five or so minutes. We played a preseason game down there one year in Philly. And um, Ted Cottrell, our old defense coordinator, is from uh, Chester, which is right next to the Philly. So he had a hoagie shop over in Chester that he would bring hoagies over from. So he'd ask guys and like, yeah, get me one, get me one. And then we had Joe Panos on the team that played in Philly. And so Joe and I are like, dude, we need to get cheese sticks. So Joe comes up with a plan that he calls Tony Luke's from the locker room at halftime and says, hey, we want to order X amount of cheese steaks. Can you bring them to the stadium? So the guy comes to deliver them to the stadium we gave the money to the equipment guy, one of the equipment guys, to give him up in the locker room and leave him in the locker room. The Tony Luke's guy couldn't find him. He wasn't leaving till he got his money. He walks onto our sideline with this freaking bag of cheesesteaks, wanting to get his money, right? So we end up we end up getting his money, but we had a bag of like freaking 15, 20 cheesesteaks on the sideline of the game. Oh and then God. and then we got our checks the next week and they're a little bit lighter than they usually are. So. Um, <laughs> All but yeah. right. Well, so uh, I just wanted to let people know for for those people that are going to to Philly, um, check out my Twitter. Uh, Saturday night, the Bills Backer Bar. I am not going to be able to pronounce this correctly. Tiernanog. It's T I R N A N O G. Irish pub. From six to ten, um, they are doing a Bills backer party. It is all ages, so um, you know, bring kids if you guys are there uh, in Philly and uh, come hang out. Um, if you are there, come by and say hi to me. Um, and then on Sunday, fans of Buffalo and the Phillies, uh, the Philly Bills backers are kind of teaming up and doing their um, tailgate. It's going to be a caravan, which is really cool. Um, so it'll be right in the uh, the Lincoln Financial Field. Um, parking lots. So definitely not a walk this year. It's going to be very close. Um, and they're going to let us know what parking lot, um, once they get there super early in the morning. 
um, to, to get into the, um, into the lot itself. So food, drinks, um, DJ, all that's included, unlimited beer, seltzers, um, and all that is on my, um, my Twitter page. If you want to get tickets to, uh, to do the, the tailgate, it's going to be a fun time. I don't know a lot of people going, um, this week, but, um, Mark Maddox asked me to wear his, uh, his Jersey. He was going to send me his Jersey cause it's game number 55, um, for me. And he was like, you should wear my Jersey number 55. But in the end, he, you know, wasn't going to get here in time. So I told him, I said, honestly, though, I'm like, oh, a five uh, wearing a jersey this year. So probably yeah, not a good thing to wear a jersey. I don't want to see game day fits with you with a jersey on. Yeah. <laughs> hey, and by the way, folks yeah. that are going, everybody's going to the game. Have a good time. Go down there, you know, cheer your asses off. Have a great time. I don't want to see anybody on Twitter later that night, you know, beating somebody's head into a urinal or fighting in the concourse. Um, go down and have a good time, man. And, uh, you know, get after it and yeah. we'll see what happens. Yeah. I'm a little nervous of where to, uh, I haven't got my ticket for the game yet. Cause they're, they're ridiculously expensive. Um, but I'm going to end up having to pay. It's going to, it's going to happen because I was told do not sit upper level. Um, so I am going, no. uh, I'm I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna figure out where I can get something uh lower level but it's expensive right now so um you know we'll figure it out I just don't want to get knocked out by some dude. Oh, <laughs> well, if you get there soon enough, turn on a little WIP radio. That'll that'll uh, make you want to jump out your car window. Uh, sports radio in that town's a little bit different than other places, but hey. <laughs> As always, we appreciate you guys for listening. Once again, another edition of Line to Gain here on the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network. You can find us on Wednesdays, 9 Eastern Time, 8 Central. We'll be back next week. We'll uh, break down this Eagles game Sunday afternoon, 425 Eastern at the link as the Bills travel to Philly to take on the Eagles. And then we'll get into the Chiefs game that's coming up next week. Everybody, enjoy your Thanksgiving. Enjoy your families, man. Love them up. Tell each other that you love one another. Um, it's important. Yeah. Happy because, Thanksgiving, everyone. Yeah. It's important. And, uh, enjoy that time with your families, enjoy football. And, um, and as always one love and go bills. Go bills.